Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. I am very excited to welcome Sandra Wu to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shaman. How are you? I'm great, and I'm thrilled to have you because certainly we've been talking about this for a while, uh, and uh, I'm thrilled and excited we got you on the show today. I'm very happy to be here. I'm also thrilled to have you because you are certainly among the leading experts on paid content in the world today. Certainly, you manage very substantial scale and driven some very significant results from paid content, uh, which is what we're going to dive into today. So at a very high level, how is paid content different from, let's just say, Facebook or Google ads? And how does that change a marketer's strategy? Yeah, so I think a lot of people tend to think of paid content as different from Facebook and Google. But in fact, it's just a unique flow. So it's a flow that redirects to a piece of content before the app store. So you can also use this on Facebook and Google. And it just means like these ads, instead of taking you directly to the app store, like a lot of my mobile app install ads, it would take you to a landing page or an article first, where you will get a little bit more information about the app before going to the app store or Google Play. But I think the reason why people think it's different from Facebook and Google is that this flow is traditionally more associated with Outbrain and Taboola. So for those of you who are not familiar with these channels, they're basically native advertising channels who offer inventory on news websites. And they control this ad space underneath most articles you will read online. So just to give you an example, if you visit like The Guardian uh, and at the end of the article, there will be a section that says you may like or from around the world. That is owned by mostly Outbrain and Taboola. Um, and the reason why you would choose the, the paid content flow with them is because it offers you a, an opportunity to capture people while they're in this reading mode. So it's actually a perfectly matched with the, the content flow. And that's why it's more popular there. Even like nowadays, an app install campaign is just as popular on Outbrain and Taboola. So basically, it started off with Outbrain and Taboola, but uh, now this flow is being used on quite a few channels. Um, and your other question about how does this change a marketer's strategy? So right now, especially in the in the past few weeks, there's been a lot of concern about uh, the iOS 14 release. And a lot of apps are basically rushing to find like a webflow so they don't have to rely so much on the app store. And I think this is where marketers decided to make a content flow work. Before now, they would have an advantage because then they don't rely completely on this app store flow and they have something to fall back on. And I think a lot of other marketers are starting to learn this and they do want to make a content flow or a web flow work for them. So this is how it really fits into the strategy nowadays. Sure. It sounds like the way this is so significant is because people are already reading, right? If they're on a news website, they're already reading. You're giving them something more to read. So there's a very fairly seamless transition. And then you're like, oh, there's a call to action. And therefore they convert. And it sounds like that's why it can be so powerful uh, as a user flow. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. But I think it could also be the case, like if someone is browsing their feed on Facebook and they're interested in discovering content, uh, this also fits very nicely. Right, yeah. right. So it isn't specific to certain platforms. It could certainly be written at just as well. Yeah, exactly. So certainly with a paid content ad, there are different components. There's a headline, there's an image, and there's a landing page as a part of the flow. And my understanding is that the headline on a paid content ad is significantly more important than, let's just say, the ad copy on Facebook. The ad copy is almost peripheral to the image of the video, whereas my understanding is that with a paid content ad, the headline is so critical. Can you speak to why this is the case? Yeah, it's a completely different animal. You couldn't really apply the same learnings from Facebook onto uh, paid content, but I feel like you can get away with having the same ad copy for a while. As long as you refresh the video or like the carousel ad or whatever you have attached to the creative. And I think that these ads are a lot flashier. Um, and the copy is really only a part of the experience. Whereas with, like you said, with the pay content ads where it's just an image and a headline, it's so simple and people actually behave with it differently. For example, I think there was a study that was done by Tabula where they tried to analyze how people engage with these ads. This ad actually in itself is a funnel. So the image serves to attract people's attention. And when people have their eyes on this ad, then they look at the headline. So the headline is really the first touch point. A lot of people ask me, it's like, you got to make sure the image matches with the headline. It's absolutely not necessary because those people who are actually looking at these ads, they don't perceive it as one item. It's just, it comes right afterwards. Like the image attracts and leaves almost no impression whatsoever on the person. And then, then they look at the headline. That will be the first impression they get of the product and how likely they will convert. Maybe I can give you an example. So let's assume that you have like a weight loss app. And there's a content ad of women running and it attracts your attention. You, you decide to look at the ad and it could have one or two headlines. The first one being this app teaches you how to lose weight in 30 days. And the second one is five tips on how to lose weight in 30 days. Which one do you think would have a better ROI? What for me to say? They both look very similar visually. Yeah. What's answer? <laughs> well, so the difference between this app teaches you how to lose weight in 30 days. Uh, one more niche, for sure. Like there's probably not as many people interested in clicking this than five tips on how to lose weight in 30 days because anyone will want to know these five tips, but not everyone will be interested in an app. But this already sets an expectation here. If you were to go with the five tips on how to lose weight in 30 days, it sets the expectation that they're there to figure out what these five tips are. They're not there to check out your app. So even if your app is like a tip number two, for example, they're clicking with the intention of just reading up on quick tips that would help them. They're not going to be interested in actually converting later on. So like even if the CTR is like three times higher on a headline, the conversion rate wouldn't be that great because people have different intentions to what you want. Whereas with the headline, like this app teaches you how to lose weight in 30 days, the people clicking are probably interested in this kind of app. Okay, like this person's trying to sell something to me, but I'm intrigued enough because I want to lose weight in 30 days. So they're a lot more qualified. And because on Taboola, you pay by a click, you don't want everyone clicking on your ad. You just want qualified traffic. So like this is the concept of targeting through creative. You're not just relying on lookalike audiences to find the most qualified traffic. You're relying on actually just setting better expectations with people. Um, and you do that through copy. Right. I really like how you're qualifying the right users via the copy itself. That can be so critical. And it's not something that a lot of marketers really think to, but that can be so critical. Yes, I completely agree with you. I think marketers nowadays rely so much on fancy targeting options uh, or analyzing assets. 
uh, and tweaking things here and there to make sure that they have the most qualified audience. Whereas I think they will probably get a bigger impact by evaluating whether or not their message uh, attracted the right people rather than playing around with different sets. Yeah. And it comes to picking a headline. You gave a great example about what would work well, what wouldn't. What would you say are some of the key elements or considerations in selecting a headline? Because the funnel is longer and there's like an article or a landing page behind it, it's not really as simple as how to pick the right headline. I think the most important thing is that you got to make sure you have a good article or a landing page to begin with. Choose an interesting idea that you can write 800 words about that would do a good job at selling your app. Things that wouldn't work is if you have article headlines or a landing page headline that sounds like an, a plain ad because the people don't actually benefit from the, having that extra step in the funnel. And in the end, it only hurts you. So I would say like come up with like a really good value proposition that you can write a lot of content around. I think that would be a good way to go in just choosing an angle. But when it comes to like airing down a good headline, I would say try to mirror the style of the top publisher that you think you'll be advertising on. You can get this information like on Outbrain or Taboola's website. You can see what kind of publishers there are, or you can even just get in touch with them and say like, hey, I'm interested in specifically this market. Can you tell me what your portfolio looks like in that market and do some research from there? So I'll give you an example. If I'm advertising in the US on Outbrain, I know that CNN is going to be my top spender. So I will keep the language a little bit more journalistic. But if I'm advertising in the UK, um, and let's say I'm working with Taboola, I know that most of their inventory is like tabloid news. So like language can be a little bit more casual. First, the most important thing is make sure you have a good idea. There's no point in tweaking your headline or adding words or like clickbait expressions if you don't have a good article. But once you do have that, then just do your research and figure out where your ad's going to appear and try to simulate this kind of language. So in some ways, you're being native to where the ads are shown. If you're on CNN, you want to make sure the language mirrors the surroundings. Where exactly. With headlines, you could potentially get very clickbaity. You know, you could say something like, you'll never believe this happened and whatnot. And, and that's probably an exaggeration, but, you know, you could certainly write a headline with the sole benefit of eliciting clicks. So in your experience, how well do clickbait uh, headlines work? It's so funny because a lot of people think this is a huge part of paid content marketing. If you were to look at these ads, like some of the headlines, like you wouldn't believe how Daniel Radcliffe looks like now. These kind of headlines where just like, well, I'm so curious what's on the next page and you, you want to click on it, but I don't do that anymore. So I tried this kind of strategy at the very beginning of my career. When I started doing this, I was thinking, oh, wow, like I've been hired to write clickbait articles. And I was like so curious how this will work. But I remember when I first tested it, it only went on for like maybe a week where I was trying these kind of titles and I realized that the CTR was really good, but the quality of the traffic was really poor. And I mentioned before that you pay per click on Outbrain and Taboola. So there's really no need for you to clickbait because you, it ended up costing you quite a lot. You actually just want qualified traffic. So for example, if you're targeting like middle-aged people with your app, you don't want the 18-year-olds or 16-year-olds who spend like ages online clicking on your headline just because you added, you won't believe what yeah. reason number two is. <laughs> One thing I do is that I try to add sensationalism to my headlines. It's not clickbaiting. I use a lot of buzzwords. And I find that this is actually a pretty good way of increasing the CTR while having qualified audiences. For example, someone wants to write a headline that says moms like this app. I wouldn't write it like that because I've been in this industry for so long. I would never settle with such a plain headline. I will probably rewrite that as like moms are praising this ingenious app or something like that. Like it's very buzzwordy and some people could even call it clickbaiting. But this way of like just dressing up a headline is actually pretty good at raising this and it wouldn't cost you later on.
So you're still increasing your CTR, but you're not getting random unqualified traffic, which you would if you went very clickbaity. Yeah. Like you said earlier, you don't want people who are just looking for five tips. You want people who can actually buy a subscription in the app for actually the right fit. And I really like how you characterized the distinction here between clickbaity and the ones that's relatively more plain. In terms of the flow itself, user flow, uh, you could have a paid content headline or an ad that takes users directly to the app store, or you could take them to the landing page, which is what you've been describing for most part. When do you recommend that an app look at a direct-to-app store flow, and when do you recommend that they look at flow to a landing page? Recently, I see a lot of apps going for the app store flow because it is much easier to get, right? You don't have to hire writers to actually write articles for you or designers to design a landing page for you. And also, I do see quite a lot of gaming apps going for this option. I think it really just comes down to the unique selling point of your app. Like I mentioned before, you gotta like come up with a piece of content that will benefit from having that extra set of the funnel. And if an app is like plain and simple and it's free, which, which is the same with like a lot of gaming apps, or if it competes on pricing, then you just want to send them to the app store as fast as you can. You don't want to have an extra step to funnel where you will lose people. So like app store flow makes so much more sense if that's your app. But if your app is, let's say, relatively high end, unless it requires a bit of an explanation, like for example, with Blinkist, we were like the first of its kind, really. And in the beginning, it was just so hard to explain what we do in one sentence or 300 characters that having this extra article or extra landing page actually made a lot of sense. It really got the buy-in from users. So in that case, you want to go with the content flow. There are some apps out there where they would charge maybe like 100 euros per month. They really should have an extra landing page or article that explains why people should pay that much money to use their app every month. It sounds like if this is an easy sell, they probably don't need to go to a landing page. But if a user needs more education, then the landing page makes more sense. Exactly. The key thing here is, is it free or not? Because I've talked to quite a few advertisers where they're just like, damn, like Algorand and Taboola just doesn't work for us. And then they say our app is free. Um, our benchmark is just cost per install. And I'm thinking, yeah, you should not have tried this flow. If your only thing you're looking at is cost per install, this will not benefit you. With the landing page or the article, how do you think about what content should be there, what selling points should be there, or how it needs to be structured? It also comes down to like setting expectations. It depends on what headline you decided to go with in the beginning. Let's say we have an example of a um, food delivery app, and you decided that the okay, first test is going to be an ad where it says, like, Americans are loving this food delivery app then you can probably be a little bit in the content because people are genuinely curious about your app. But if your PR team tells you like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable with like being that tacky. Can we go with something that's a little bit more like headline, like food delivery app reveals what Americans eat. If that's the case, then you got to focus on giving people that insight first before you go on forever talking about your app. So it's really just about setting expectations. It's not rocket science. If you read the news enough, then you'll know how some of these articles look. And example, if you wanted to do a five tips article, then you probably have read a lot of articles like this in the past. And then you just mirror what that looks like. So it minimizes the gap in expectations. Which makes me also wonder, you could be very salesy or at least pitch your product very clearly and obviously, or you could be more educational, like five tips and whatnot. I can think of some marketers who would say, oh, we don't want to be too salesy, too pitchy. Do you think that's a good idea? 
Uh, well, so- I think either could work. I personally don't like to be overly salesy, but I also don't like this approach where you talk about everything before you talk about the app. I think like this is probably the instinct of a lot of content marketers, where it's like, let's just provide 800 words of insight before we even say, hey, by the way, we have an app. That doesn't work whatsoever because people are not going to stick around and read what's at the very bottom. But I also don't like articles where it's been too salesy for that headline. So unless your headline just says, this is everything you need to know about this app, then your article shouldn't be completely salesy. So you got to provide some other kind of value as well. But you can do either one, actually, as long as you set the expectations right and you don't talk about your app too late. So if you want to just go all in and just talk about everything that's great about your app, just make it clear in the headline because those those poor souls who are clicking on this who are not warned about what's coming up, they're going to be pissed and they'll bounce. And that's not good for you. So as long as you prepare everyone for, for what's about to come, then that's that's totally fine. You can be salesy. Yeah, what I'm taking away is how important it is to be fully aligned with your entire flow, with the headline of the ad, headline of the article, and the article itself. So, uh, Sandra, what would you say are some of the common mistakes that marketers make when setting up paid content marketing campaigns? As you can probably tell by the theme of my answer so far, I think not coming up with good content is a major mistake. What I see a lot of app marketers doing is that they start these channels thinking that it's very similar to Facebook and Google, for example. And they're just like, okay, we're going to take the best ads from these platforms and then we're just going to recycle it for Outbrain and Taboola. So like, then you end up with a problem where it just the headlines sound like an ad, but then you're not going to the app store right away. You have a landing page and that's only going to cost you. What I would recommend is that people just forget about what works on Facebook and Google because they're just entirely different animals. Sure. and uh, come up with content that would be suitable for these channels. Sure. Yeah, so that would be the first mistake that I come across quite a lot. And actually, one of the other issues with not coming up with good content is also this thing you mentioned where people are too afraid of being salesy and they don't mention their uh, their product until the last step. This happens a lot more than you think. Out of all the marketers I talk to, about like maybe two-thirds of them make this kind of a mistake where they'll be like, oh, like, we don't know why our kids are so bad. And then I was like, okay, yeah, show me what kind of landing page you used. And then I, I read it. I'm just like, where do you talk about your app? I've been reading this for minutes now. I don't see anything about your app. No wonder it didn't work. So just because it, there's content attached to it doesn't mean that you need to suddenly switch gears and only talk about things that would be suitable for like the economist. You still got to sell your product. Also, I think another mistake would be like to like not looking at the conversions further down the funnel and like... If you were to compare Outbrain and Taboola with Facebook and Google just on cost per install, it's probably not going to be better. But the payoff really comes later on because you spend a little bit more acquiring these leads who have read more about your product and they're probably going to be more likely to purchase or if like let, let's assume that your app is uh, a paid app. Um, these people are probably going to be more likely to purchase and they might even go for the higher package just because they're so convinced, they're probably less likely to cancel and more, more likely to renew. So the lifetime value is actually higher. But if you're only looking at the first metric here, which is just installs, you're not going to be able to see that. And of course, like these campaigns wouldn't do that well. But then like one month down the road, start revisiting these metrics and see maybe it's actually paying off. So probably not as bad as people think. Yeah, definitely. Right. And it's important to just look at your entire funnel holistically uh, just to see the downstream impact of all of your marketing. Exactly. Sandra, uh, this has been 
very instructive to me, not just about paid content, but just also about how to think about marketing holistically. And I really do appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, this is perhaps a good place for us to wrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, could you tell folks how they can find out more about you and everything you do? Sure. Uh, if you search for me, Sandra Wu Blinkis on LinkedIn, you can follow me or you can add me. Otherwise, I also have a copywriting course at theartofcontentmarketing.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you can also get my email address from there as well. So please get in touch if you want to connect. I'd be happy to chat. Wonderful. And we will link to all of that in the show notes. Sandra, thank you so much for being on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Thank really you. appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If you find this helpful in any manner, I would love for you to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Every rating and review matters a ton to us. So thank you for listening.